Well, amen. It's exciting to see the Church of God growing and adding to itself. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to see. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot of visitors today, and that's, this is good. This is wonderful. Um, oftentimes, if pastors could choose to preach uh, when visitors are here, this would not be the one that we would often choose, all right? Um, oftentimes, this is uh, left to uh, someone that is not uh, in the position that this is talking about. And so, um, and sometimes the pastor now at, uh, has to teach this. Um, the way our church is structured, we have two lay pastors, myself and Tyler. And then we have a pastor that uh, is paid, a staff pastor, and that is uh, Jeremy. And that is the way uh, the church here is structured. We're all uh, equal in position. Uh, Jeremy just, uh, his main focus is to teaching and preaching and, and, and um, studying the Word of God. Uh, that is his primary focus. Among many other things, um, as the joke goes, he doesn't only work on Sunday. Uh, he works on Wednesday as well. But, uh, <laughs> so, um, no. But um, I want you to know, for those of you that are visitors, and just a reminder of those that are here uh, regularly, we uh, endeavor to teach the entirety of the Word of God. We are not a... Um, we do teach topical messages from time to time, but primarily we teach through a book, verse by verse. And today we are falling on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, which is talking about uh, how we take care of uh, the men that serve in ministry monetarily. Okay, and so that's where we are. So uh, if this is your first time here or you, you have the mindset of churches, every time I go to church, they talk about money. Uh, this is not the church that does that. It just so happens to be this Sunday we are going to be uh, discussing that topic. It's an important topic. It's a topic that obviously Paul wrote on. He was answering questions here in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, in this section. And so we're going to dive in. I've entitled this, Paul Lays Down His Rights. Um, we have been studying chapter 8 and chapter 9 here recently. And uh, a lot of the focus on these chapters is laying down the rights that we have. As we see chapter number 8, uh, those that are older Christians or more mature Christians believe that they can go into the temple and eat uh, uh, meat given to idols, and they don't struggle with that. Um, and maybe other Christians that are not as mature would really struggle with eating these meats uh, that are often offered to idols. And so uh, Paul is uh, bringing out the point that if a weaker brother is going to have offense to that, then I will forgo my right to eat that meat uh, so that I don't offend. It's more important that we have a heart of love than to be right or to, to exercise our liberty. And Paul gets into this in chapter 9. And he has kind of two points he's wanting to bring out in chapter 9. The earlier part, which Jeremy taught last week from 1 to verse 7, was laying out a foundation of that Paul has the right, who he is, 
reminding the readers that he is an apostle and that he has the right to, uh, as an apostle, to be paid. And his family, uh, as it talks about a wife, he has the right to have a wife and that she would be taken care of. Uh, the same thing with Barnabas. And so he's going through all of this uh, to remind the Corinthians who he is and that he has a right. And he continues that uh, starting here in verse number 8. Before he gets to verse 8, he's talking about a lot of um, human things. The, the military and a shepherd and a flock, and they deserve to have these things. And then he gets in uh, to have the reward of their labors to be paid. Okay? And before we get into verse 8, we'll pray and we'll see what Paul is going to line out here in verses 8 to 18. Lord, we thank you for... Your word, we thank you that we can go to your word for instruction on how to, uh, to conduct ourselves in church and how that we should take care of our church leaders. And Lord, I just thank you for uh, making uh, passages like this in Scripture so that we uh, can clearly understand uh, through this passage and others how we are to take care of God's servants in the church. In your name, amen. Hey, Paul, like I said, in verses 4, basically through 14, is laying out the rights that he has as a minister of God's Word, a missionary, a church planner, the rights that he has to be paid. And that's what we're going to look at here. We're going to read through and, and understand. He starts here in verse, or he continues here in verse number 8 and says, I am not speaking these things according to human judgment. Okay, the previous things were might be what you would consider human judgment. But he says, I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also state these things? And so Paul is uh, going back into the Old Testament to, to bring a point out of that what God had brought out in the Old Testament. And Paul does this in a couple different passages as well. But he states the law in verse 9, For it is written in the law of Moses, You should not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? We're going to pause there just for a minute, just so that we get an understanding of what's being. This is in Deuteronomy chapter number 25. Uh, Paul is referring back to Deuteronomy 25, 4. And it's talking about uh, God in this passage and the, um, is dealing with humans. He's dealing with mankind and how that we should address each other and how that function of life should work. And he is not concerned about oxen. And Paul brings that out. Uh, we should not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? We'll address that here in just a minute. But the picture being given here is an oxen. What would often happen is an ox would be tied uh, in a circular motion with a large stone or something that would roll behind him, and he would walk a circle and crush grain. He would crush corn, grain, different kinds of grains, and he would crush them out of their uh, stalks and so on uh, and to be able to use them as food. 
and how frustrating and how hard it would be for an oxen to be walking all day, his eight-hour shift, if you might want to say, of threshing the wheat uh, or the corn there um, and not be able to eat any of what he's walking over. And uh, I, as most of you would know, I, I own horses and I'm trained horses. And um, if you go out and ride horses out um, up in the mountains or whatever, they're constantly trying to eat, just riding them. They're not necessarily working real hard. Sometimes they are. They're climbing hills and so on. But they're constantly trying to bend down and get something to eat. And uh, I understand that riding horses, all the more this oxen would want to get a bite of food. And God says here, you ought not muzzle or put something over the mouth of the oxen so they cannot eat. Uh, This would be quite frustrating to the animal. And the picture here he's going to draw out is uh, that man should should get paid for what he is doing. We should not muzzle or keep money back from someone that is doing labor. God is not concerned about oxen, is He? Paul is pointing out the fact that this is not about oxen. Okay, God is concerned about animals. Um, I was looking at a lot of commentaries, and for some reason they all seem to think that it's important to mention that. So I'll just mention that. That God is not, uh, not concerned about animals, but this is a picture. This is not concerning oxen at all. Uh, there's many verses that talk about that we should take care of our beast and that his eye is on the sparrow. We sing a song about that. But in this passage and also in the book of Deuteronomy, it has nothing to do with an ox. It is all to do with a picture that we should not muzzle the ox. Picking up in verse number 10, or is he speaking altogether for our sake. Yes, for our sake it was written. Okay, so it clarifies that he's not speaking about the ox. Although God loves oxen, uh, he is making this analogy clear that he is giving this as a uh, understanding for our sake. Okay, because the plowmen ought to plow in hope. And the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we sow, uh, I'll stop right there. So again, Paul is just uh, explaining what the not muzzling the ox is meaning. Okay, a plowman or a um, sower, a thresher, anyone that is doing labor, and this is a common trade of that time. You could say a mechanic, you could say a construction worker, you could say any type of work, a dump truck driver, a medical field, it doesn't matter what it is. If they are working, they should receive something for the labor. Okay? He's belaboring this point, making sure that we understand no one would go to work for free, and no one should work for free. Okay, No one desires, I don't get up in the morning, uh, get my work clothes on, jump in my truck, go to someone's house and put in doors and trim for them, and then leave and say, I'm glad I got to do that for you. No, I say, I'm glad I got to do that for you, I'll send you the bill. Okay, 
That's how that works. And that's what Paul is saying here, that a person that threshes, a person that is out working, their hope and their expectation is to get a reward for that or a payment. Okay? Then he gets down to verse 11. And he says, If we sow spiritual things to you, is it, not, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Okay? So Paul here um, is, I believe, arguing. I think there were some people uh, in the church that must have been thinking that Paul did not deserve or maybe no preacher deserved uh, to be paid. So Paul is clearing some things up. He cleared up his position as an apostle earlier, and I think he's continuing to make sure that Uh, the Corinthians here understand his viewpoint on taking care of God's servants, the the preachers and teachers of of the Word. Okay, If we sow spiritual things, that is what I'm doing right here. It's what Jeremy does. It's what Tyler does. That's what pastors across our country and across the world do. They sow spiritual. That is the preaching and the teaching and the discipleship of the Word of God. That is growing the God's people and edifying them. Uh, that is what this is referring to. If we sow spiritually, just as if I were to go to a house and install doors and trim um, and, and uh, do that as my job, a pastor, especially a um, one that we would call full-time pastor, uh, is deserving of monetarial or earthly things, okay? If we sow spiritual things, the sowing of the Word of God, preaching, teaching the Word of God, that's what that is referring to. If we sow these things to you, is it too much if we uh, reap material things from you? That is payment. Whether it be food, housing, um, or uh, money is... Uh, usually the way that this is understood. And Paul doesn't stop there. He wants to make sure that the church here and um, God in His providence is wanting to make sure that we understand as a church how this is to be. And he wants to make sure it's an important understanding that the pastor, the elders of the church, should be taken care of, especially those uh, that is is their full-time occupation. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 5, Paul uh, brings out the same understanding again uh, in his letter to Timothy. Okay? In 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, the elders who rule are to be considered worthy of double honor. That word double honor is to be paid and to be paid well. Okay? We don't want to just throw them a morsel, but pay them and pay them well. Especially those who work hard to preach and to teach. Okay? Um, some people, and I grew up as a pastor's kid. I, I grew up uh, underneath my dad as a pastor. Uh, my brother is a pastor. Um, here in the last few years, um, I have been a lay pastor. When we understand Paul to say those that, especially those that work hard to preach and teach, we understand that 
it is labor-intensive, very labor-intensive to study God's Word, to preach and to teach it. This isn't something that um, Jeremy wakes up uh, on um, Sunday morning, puts a few thoughts together, and comes up here and shares with you. Um, it's very, very labor-intensive. And pastors that do it on a regular basis often spine, oftentimes spend hours, if not days, preparing for a sermon. Why is that important? It's important because we are dealing with God's Word. And His Word must be rightly divided. And His Word must be taken care of and with great importance. And you can't do that by just throwing a few minutes every now and then into it. It's work. It's study. We're reading commentaries. We're studying throughout Scriptures. We're double-checking ourselves, making sure that what we are getting ready to teach God's people is accurately portrayed through our mouth of what God would have. This is hard work. This is not something that comes... Uh, it might be easier for some than others, uh, but no matter who does it, every pastor out there that I've ever talked to or been associated with would say that it is hard, enjoyable, um, uh, and, and fulfilling, but definitely hard. And some passages are harder than others. And those that work hard should get uh, a reward for that. And then he goes on in verse 18 and states the same thing he did here in Corinthians. For the Scripture says uh, you should not muzzle the ox while he is threshing and the, labor is, and the labor is worthy of his wage. Okay, so Paul reiterates that and Timothy says the same thing here. It's very important that we understand that the pastor of the church or pastors of a church, labor intensely over God's Word uh, to make sure that we clearly explain it to you. Important to draw that out. And that is what Paul is saying here. If we sow spiritual things you, to you, should we much, uh, to you, uh, much if we, is it too much if we uh, reap material things if others share the right over you, okay, in verse number 12, if others share the right over you, do we not more? Paul is saying in your church there in Corinthians that we're understanding there were people that were being paid, uh, that were leading and, and doing the, the church leaders. Uh, Paul was not there. He was writing a letter. He was not the pastor of this church. He was uh, what we would consider a missionary. All right, and Paul is saying, if they are being taken care of, how much more should we? Paul uh, was an intricate part of obviously getting the church started and, and keeping the church going through the letters and just uh, and, and being an apostle. He deserved uh, the right of being paid just as much or more uh, than the men that uh, he was referring to here in verse 12. But then he goes on and says, Nevertheless, we do not use the right. We do not use this right. But we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance 
to the gospel of Christ. Now, there's a couple thoughts that we can have uh, in this statement. Okay? There's a couple ideas that we can derive. It's not clearly stated what Paul is meaning here, and I believe that either one of these um, are applicable in this passage. The first thing I think that could be applicable is Paul is saying, I did not uh, receive payment, okay? I did not, uh, nevertheless, we did not use the right to receive money. We endured these things to not, uh, to ca- not cause a hindrance. In the United States and around the world, the churches this size or smaller is what the norm is. And oftentimes, a small church cannot afford to pay a full-time pastor. They just they, they don't have enough giving. Uh, there's not enough mature Christians to uh, to give to the ministry, and so sometimes they're paid partial. So they still have to have a job. Jeremy's only um, been full time for two years. Jeremy, three years. So he's been in full time for three years. He's been here seven. So four years he uh, was a uh, under pastor, or a, well, he's a co-pastor with. Uh, the former pastor was here, but he also worked a full-time job. And he, in the last three years, the church has been able to bring him on full-time. But there's pastors all over uh, the United States and the world that work a full-time job because they know the church cannot uh, sustain a salary for them. And that's okay. And I think Paul uh, could be saying that I forgo that right because I did not want to be a hindrance. If you uh, force the people to pay the pastor, that uh, could cause the church to even uh, dissolve and not be able to even uh, sustain itself. The other understanding here is in this day, and is the same in our day today, there were false preachers and teachers. There were men that desired the position of a pastor just to become wealthy, just to get paid. That was their entire desire was to get paid. Uh, it wasn't to, to be a pastor, a shepherd, and to lead God's people. It was to be paid. And that was their desire of their hearts. And that happened in Paul's day and it happens today. And Paul uh, possibly could be saying, I didn't want to even come across as one of those. I didn't want to even look like I was one of those that desired to be paid. And he clarifies that even more as he goes on. But those are two understandings that uh, I was able to get. Um, I'm more inclined to think of the first one uh, as being what Paul is getting at, that uh, he just didn't want to put any undue pressure upon the church and, and wanted uh, there to be no uh, tied to money with him and, and getting of the gospel out. Okay? In verse number 13, in verse 13, do you know these things? Um, do you know, do you not know those things who perform, those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? Okay, Paul is again referring back to the Old Testament. God's design for those that served in the temple, the, the priest that 
served there when there was a burnt offering and when there was food given to, for burnt offerings. Whatever is left over was given to the priest uh, to sustain them and basically was a form of paying them and taking care of them. And Paul is reiterating that again here in this verse. Okay, Do you not know that those who perform uh, sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who uh, attend regularly to the affairs of their share uh, have their share from the altar. Okay, again, this is all about God's plan for taking care of those that are in ministry uh, in the Old Testament, and Paul's bringing that to light in the New Testament, the same principle. So also the Lord uh, directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Uh, I believe that's a very clear statement. Those that preach and teach the gospel should make a living. They should get paid for the work as if as in Timothy, the hard work, the the labor intensive work that it is to be a pastor, they should make a living from that. From the teaching and preaching of the gospel. Okay? So Paul, this ends Paul's I believe section on how we should take care of our pastors. Okay? How we should take care of the men that take care of us spiritually within the context of the church. That we should honor them not only of their position, but that we should honor them monetarily for the hard work that they do. And I'm not going to overstate or push this issue too much. I'll let Paul do that here. Paul is just reminding the Corinthians, reminding us through the Scripture that it is of vital importance that we take care of the man of God that preaches and teaches. Okay? I hope that that is a clear stating fact. When we get into business meetings and we start talking about his salary okay remember i am uh, a, a pastor here but i also have a full-time job um, jeremy has been called and uh, has come to this church to be the pastor full-time here there is a lot more responsibility on his plate than on tyler and i's now, although Tyler and I do a lot here, and we do preach and teach and so on, uh, as I stated in Sunday school, I'm taking a sabbatical. Why? Because my secular job is very taxing on me, and it's very difficult for me to do both. And I need some time, okay? Jeremy does get that time. He does get vacations. But Jeremy can't just wake up one morning and say, I no longer want to teach or preach for five, six months, but I still want to get paid, okay? He, he needs to be here and to preach and to teach. That's what he's paid to do, and we as God's people uh, should understand that it is our responsibility to take care of him and his enlarged family, okay?
All right, so that being stated, it is God's desire and God's will for the church the best that we can to honor them financially, not just honor the position. Okay? So that being stated, Paul changes gears a little bit. Okay? And I think that this is important that Paul put this at the, the latter part of this because if Paul didn't uh, if Paul didn't have the beginning of this and just had the end, we would have a could have possibly a hard time understanding what he's saying here. But Paul gives the argument that we should take care of the pastors, and I think he clearly lays that out here. And then he changes gears and specifically starts talking about himself. And this is very important that we that we split it here and that we understand that Paul is not speaking about all pastors at this point. He's speaking specifically about himself. Okay? Very, very clear distinction here. I want to make sure that we see. Starting in verse 15. But, but I have used none of these things. I am not, uh, I am not uh, writing these things so that it would be done so in my case. Okay, so Paul here is clarifying, making sure I have not received any money from you. I'm not received any care from you uh, monetarily or otherwise. And I'm not writing this in a uh, woe is me, please support me support letter. Okay, Paul is not, that is not his heart here. Uh, that is what he is stating. For it would be better for me to die than to have any man take the, my boast uh, an empty one. Make my boast an empty one. Paul is saying, I would rather die than to, be, to, to accept the, the payment and for someone to accuse me of preaching or teaching the Word of God for any other reason than the boast in Christ. His boast is in Christ. In Romans 15, 17, Paul states, Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting and, and things pertaining to God. And so, what Paul is talking about in the boasting here is not boasting of himself or boasting of that this is his gospel. Paul boasts of Jesus Christ and the things pertaining to him. And he would rather die. He would rather be put to death than to anything other be said about him than it was that his boasting is in God. And I think it ties back to what I said previous, that a, a possible narrative is that there were men teaching and preaching uh, falsely and only wanting uh, to be paid. This could be a part of what Paul is driving at here, that my boast, my desire is to see God's word perf to, to be carried out, and I would rather die than to be, make money and have that be ill said of me. That my boast is only, that it would be an empty one. I could not boast in God anymore. I would have to boast in myself. Again, this is Paul. This is Paul's decision that he, did, he wanted to forego. When Paul would go into a city 
When Paul would go into a new work or come back to somewhere, he often would go, uh, as we know, he was a tent maker. And he would go and most likely find a tent maker and uh, see if he could get hired for the time he was there and uh, receive payment for that so that he could sustain himself while he was ministering uh, to the church wherever he was. Okay? In verse 16, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul is just really belaying the point that it is about the gospel. For I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of in himself. I have nothing to boast of in myself. I am under compulsion and compelled to teach and compelled. Okay, Paul was, and he'll, he'll talk about this here in the next verse, but he was chosen by God. And for woe is me if I do not preach. Paul put such a huge emphasis on the preaching and teaching and the sharing of God's Word. And he wanted nothing, nothing to hinder that. Everything to Paul uh, was about the preaching of God's Word. And he wanted to make sure that that was understood. In verse 17, For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. What Paul is stating here in verse 17, if I do this voluntarily, this is a pastor coming uh, to a church voluntarily. He has uh, surrendered his life to preach the gospel. And this was something he did on his own. All right, God, God works in uh, men's hearts and so on. Uh, but uh, as far as I'm aware of, Jeremy did not have a uh, Damascus Road experience where God came and struck his car and pulled him off the side of the road and said, you are going to pace in Utah to be a pastor. All right, and so Jeremy is here voluntarily. That is the understanding. So Paul says here, if I did this voluntarily, I would have a reward. So if Paul voluntarily decided to be a missionary, he would be worthy and should be uh, paid for that. Okay? But if against my will, I have a stewardship to in, uh, in, <clears throat> entrusted to me. Okay? So we find here Paul is doing this all against his will and does not love what he's doing, right? No, that's not what that's saying against his will, okay? And when Paul states here, this was against my will, he's referring back to the Damascus Road experience and God's sovereign election of him as not only as an apostle, but as a missionary to the Gentiles, okay? Paul is saying here that this was not my choosing. What was Paul doing on the road to Damascus? He was going to what? Persecute Christians. Imprison Christians. This was not his desire. Paul wasn't volunteering on the way to Damascus to go share the good news of the Gospel to, the, to them. He was volunteering to imprison them. Alright? And so, 
Paul is clearly saying that God has sovereignly chose him as an um, apostle and a missionary to the Gentiles. And he was entrusted, or given the stewardship, and entrusted to him. Okay, the stewardship of the Word of God. So Paul has foregone his rights that he does have um, because of the situation he's found himself in. And I think Paul puts, or by the inspiration of God, this verse is put in there, that if you volunteer to be a pastor, this is something you've done on your own, uh, again, it, it is through the working of God, but it's not sovereignly decreed by God uh, in an audible voice that says you will go. So then it would be a considered a volunteered position. You should be taken care of monetarily. Paul saying, my situation is different than that. And then in verse 18, what then is my reward? What then is my reward? If I'm not going to get paid, if I'm not going to receive payment for the, the missionary work that I do, what then is my reward? At when, uh, that when I preach, and this is Paul's stating what his reward is, that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel with no, without charge, so as not to make full of uh, to not as so as not to make fall us <clears throat> full not to make full use of right of the gospel paul's own personal conviction his own personal delight was to go and work a and labor in the community so that he could offer the gospel with no charge, with no monetary restrictions to it. Okay? And he for and he says here that he forgo so that he might full he he forgoes the right that he has to make money in the gospel. His delight, his his whole desire was that the gospel would be proclaimed. And he forgo he he just said, I'm not going to receive monetary. Now, Paul was supported, and he did get taken care of from different churches. But as the majority of the time, Paul worked a secular job and paid his own way. And he did this so that the gospel would be able to be given freely of charge. Why this is important to distinguish that this is Paul's conviction is not to say that the pastors that get paid don't have the same heart. This is not Paul saying, I am better because I want to give the gospel and not charge for it. These guys, you know, they charge you, know, they charge you to come hear me. Hmm. All right. I'm sorry for that. But <laughs> no, Paul is stating this as a personal conviction that his desire is to come in and work and to not have any money given to him so that the gospel would be able to go even farther. That the, the finances would not ever be a cause of hindrance in his ministry. And this was Paul's heart. 
So two things laid out for us today. Paul, we see Paul's heart. We see that Paul was um, chosen directly by God for this ministry. If he wasn't chosen and he was in this ministry voluntarily, he would get paid. And Paul clearly states the fact in the previous verses that the man of God that teaches and preaches in the pulpit and takes care of us spiritually uh, through the leading of God's word is worthy of being paid. Those are the two main points that Paul's bringing out here. Uh, important for us to understand uh, as we read through this that what Paul's heart is that the men should be taken care of and that his personal conviction is that he wants to work and offer it free of charge so that no hindrance to the gospel will be given. So, um, as we look at this today, we're encouraged. Um, understand that we are obligated as believers to take care of the man of God. So, as much as you didn't think you were going to come here and hear a message on money and taking care of the pastor, uh, oftentimes it's best for the one that's not getting paid to have this sermon, right? Um, I listened to a, a section of John MacArthur who was preaching on this, and he said, this morning I'm getting up here to preach on six ways the preacher should be paid, or why the preacher should be paid. He said, this is one of the hardest messages I've ever had to preach. Okay? And, uh, but he went on to say that God has richly blessed him at that church, and they take care. And I know Jeremy would say that he is, um, feels very well taken care of here. But we can always look and to do more and to encourage more. And as things get more expensive, it is our responsibility to take care of them properly. We don't want to keep our pastors in the poorhouse. So let's pray and we'll close in a word of, uh, in a song. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for uh, the clarity here that we are uh, charged to take care of the man of God uh, financially and that he would be able to take care of his family in doing so. And Lord, I pray that that would be a charge that we would understand that uh, the pastors of churches, uh, for the most part, good men of God, work very hard at preaching and teaching. And Lord, we should endeavor to take care of them and to lift them up in prayer, and to hold them before the throne of grace. And Lord, we just thank you for Paul's example here. In your name, amen.